Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is maybe sort of kind of coming back home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez, and I write about whether or not baseball might show up sometime this month for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. Andy Cruz, Vanna Sacken. Yes, I am extremely excited to be watching baseball players enter a stadium and with masks on, no less. I mean, I also am glad they're wearing masks, but like they kind of have to, right? I I Uh, can't imagine any team would be okay with their players showing up without a mask. So I don't know how much of that is like they wore a mask and how much of that is they were told by PR not to be without a mask. Well, in one of the um, videos that is on our show notes that you had sent me, there is a video of Anthony Rizzo walking in some direction, whether he's walking to his car, he's walking back into the office, but he waves at a player looks like maybe talking to, I don't know, somebody standing there talking to him and she is not wearing a mask. The player is wearing a mask, but the person he's talking to is not. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, so what you're saying by not wearing a mask and talking in the face of a player is that you really don't want baseball, right? That's what you're really trying to say. Yeah, uh, that video, if you haven't seen it, it's a tweet from Mike Berman at NBC. And I actually thought this was a really interesting video. We'll certainly share it from the at Cup of Cubby Blue account on Twitter if you're looking for it afterwards. But so Anthony Rizzo is walking back to the player parking lot after I don't know what they did today check in work out whatever they did today um and this lady up the street is like all excited yelling hey Anthony Rizzo um and he waves at her and then he like very subtly he doesn't like yell at her or mask shame or anything which I love by the way because frankly like the mask shaming people are making me almost as anxious as the people not wearing masks but that's a whole other thing um And he just kind of like points at his mask and he's like, you don't have one of these. (laughs) And she's like, I know, I'm sorry. But it it was nice to see him kind of subtly remind her to do the right thing. Well, and we just got news today here in St. Louis, which um, I am happy about because in most areas where baseball is supposedly going to be played, the numbers are going the wrong direction. But we just got information that St. Louis city where obviously where Bush stadium is in St. Louis County, which is all the surrounding area is going to require masks for everyone going out in public. So that is actually really great news. As far as I'm concerned, I know there is a, a, a vast majority of people that feel otherwise, but I, I'm like, you know, so what if a mask doesn't work? So what are you actually out here? Like, just wear the mask, you know? I, I just, I, I don't understand. It seems like a very simple, simple concept to me that it's something that, you know, you can just show care for other people by doing that. And you can also show that you're serious about wanting to watch baseball at some point this year. <laughs> Well, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, and to be clear, like, anyway, we love Anthony Rizzo. We're glad Anthony Rizzo wants you to wear a mask. You should wear a mask anyway, but definitely don't yell at Anthony Rizzo or like yell hi to Anthony Rizzo without a mask on people if you want baseball. Right. Right. (laughs) Oh, pandemic episodes. Like this is something we could only podcast about during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I don't know if I love it or hate it. Right. Well, the good news is we have um, baseball stories to talk about this week. Like unlike the past 
you know, 170 million weeks that we have gone on this year without baseball, what it feels like anyways. Yeah, that is true. Let's jump into some player stuff because there's a lot of it. We have the Cubs 60 man roster is out. They have only announced 50 of the players on that roster so far. Um, It looks like they've got 39 players who have been announced as like part of the team and then another 11 who are part of the taxi squad, which is basically like going back and forth with the team um, or players that can be pulled upon if somebody goes on the IL or the COVID IL, which I thought this was really interesting news today. I'm bouncing around a little bit here, so I I apologize for that. Uh, Apparently, teams are not going to necessarily disclose if a player is on the COVID IL. So players might just kind of like randomly go on the IL, (laughs) and we don't know if it's for COVID or not. But they will release some information about the, the overall number. So we'll hear something like, there were a hundred tests today and 10 of them came back positive, but we won't necessarily know individual players and the seconds leak from the players camp. I think I got that right. So that to me, seems really confusing how they're going to be able to finagle all that because from what I read, the way I understood it is COVID IL is there's no like set day amount on that. Like that can be, 70 days that can be three days they just have to be able to pass two tests they have to have two positive tests to come back two negative so tests. yeah or yeah that's what i mean sorry two two negative tests it's so, all good. so this is all very confusing <laughs> right well but then if you're going on the regular il like if you're legit legitimately injured and you go on the il there's they still have day time frames on those don't they Well, they do. So like, but I thought, so I thought the COVID IL has like a 10 day moniker. So you would just go on the 10 day, but it's like a separate list entirely. I don't know. This is Yeah, it is. is. And they said there's no time frame on it because they don't want to rush anybody back. It's just so, yeah, it's, it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out because there's not really um, a way to, I get, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, from what I initially read, it sounded like they were going to have to distinguish which was which. But if they're figuring out a way to do it the other way, that's fine, too. I mean, like, obviously, we just found out that Tommy Hadavi had COVID. Right. You know, he just tested uh, negative two weeks ago, but he had it the 30 days prior to that. He was quarantined from his family for 30 days. And um, um, I'm drawing a blank on who did a really nice interview with him. 70 the score. It was awesome and you should totally listen to it was it Sahadov? it was Sahadov, wasn't it oh i don't remember who did the actual well that's what i think i was reading and he did i just saw ken rosenthal and somebody else um national um retweet his his kind of thread on this but he was really moved by by the interview with or by talking with tom tommy hadavi because you know obviously it's a very stressful time when you're going through something like that and there's just a, a you know an array of emotions that take over and then now to be you know kind of put back in i don't want to say put back in harm's way but essentially you know he's being put back in a situation where you know he could be causing harm to his family or, you know, bringing something to his family. So he, he gave a really nice, um, uh, or he put together a really nice thread on Twitter and, and basically just went through what Tommy Hadavi was saying. And 
I mean, you just have to look at it from all the angles. It's just crazy to me. I'm happy they're coming back, but you just don't think about all the different things that they've gone through in this time off and some of them more than others. Totally. Well, and the thing about Tommy Hattabee is that this isn't like one of the older coach dudes. This isn't like one of the high risk 65 plus coaches. This is a 38 year old pitching coach who's in like perfect health. And he had a really severe case of COVID-19, including COVID pneumonia. And it took him 30, I mean, 30 days is half the season. (laughs) If you think about. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wild. Um, definitely check out the Hadavi interview. We will post a link to that from our Twitter account. Um, back to players arriving back at Wrigley really quick. Uh, that happened on Tuesday and Wednesday. You can sort of see um, some smatterings from their Twitter accounts. They had to report by Wednesday, but some of them were there on Tuesday, which we know because at least one of them, Ian Miller, appears to have a crush on the ballpark, he was kept posting like all these great shots of Wrigley, just like, wow. <laughs> and I just, that gave me some love. Cause I, that's how I feel when I walk into Wrigley field. It's nice to know he feels the same. I mean, I try to put myself in their place and like not having the joy of, you know, the love affair with Wrigley field that we have had for as many years as we have as diehard fans, as fans that have been around the team for so long or been following the team for so long and kind of, you know, take a step back and look at it from the perspective of somebody just walking onto that field for the first time. And it's just so overwhelming to me. Like, I just can't even fathom what that feels like, because like you said, every time I walk up, it doesn't matter if it's the first time this season or the 10th time this season. Every time I walk up in the first like full glimpse I have of Wrigley Field, the tears go, you know, it's just like, we're so lucky to be fans of a team that plays at this historic place, this place that just, it's just, yeah. I mean, and, and when you look at it from that lens, when you look at it from a player that is seeing it for the first time and having the ability to play on that field and, and, and in front of that crowd it, it just yeah it gets me giddy because I'm like how exciting for him you know I mean that's that's really cool and then to know that going into the season so when we do if we do get to see him play then you also know that what he's thinking you know like oh my gosh like not only do I love this field but I'm playing on this field like you know it's just it's a really cool thing and that to me helps quite a bit with all the negativity that we're experiencing on the other end of that. So it's nice to see things like that. So I'm really happy that you shared that with me because I wouldn't have caught that otherwise. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned the positivity with the negativity, negativity thing. I mean, I've been struggling with this. Well, for a few weeks now, but like, honestly, like a lot today, I am super excited that there's the possibility of watching baseball. And I'm also Just like, I cannot get it out of my head that they're going to be playing in a pandemic, that it's really dangerous, that what we just heard, what you were just talking about from Tommy Hadovy tells us exactly how dangerous this could be for some of our favorite players. I mean, I want to, you know, let's jump ahead here a little bit to the players who are not playing and they're not playing for a variety of reasons, but I think it's important to remember that this is not normal circumstances. It's not just like, hey, everybody go back to work and everything's going to be fine as soon as we turn baseball on. And it's really hard to get as excited about this season as I normally would. Like opening day normally for me is just like a holiday. I just like, 
I, I figure out which jersey I'm going to wear well in advance. I like know exactly what time the Cubs are playing so I can make sure I can watch the game from start to finish. I have been known to take the day off of work so that I don't have to miss a single thing. And this year, I have that excitement, but I have it with such a heavy dose of anxiety because of everything that's going on that it's just hard to have that same type of joy and excitement I usually associate with baseball. And I, and I don't know if I'm the only one feeling that way or if I'm just at a particularly low point mentally <laughs> with the pandemic. But as I was watching, you know, Mike Leake, Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, and Ian Desmond, we're going to devote an entire segment to Ian Desmond and the reason he's not playing after this. Um, but they all came out and said they're not playing this season. And then Sean Doolittle, who in my opinion is one of the most honest, forthright baseball players, will just kind of tell you what he's thinking had a, gave an interview today when he was arriving at the park where he got asked about playing and whether he felt okay about it. And he had just like this five second pause where you can kind of almost see his brain working like, well, you know, I I'm kind of committed to doing it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I'm worried about my wife and I just don't know. <laughs> and that was really honest to me. Like that summed up for me, how I kind of feel about the season. Well, and I'm going to ask you because I know, kind of where we've been as far as the past couple of months mentally, this has been um, a struggle. I mean, for everyone, everyone in life, not even, you know, I mean, baseball is such a lower scale importance right now. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, it compares with anything that people are dealing with in a, in a real life basis. It, it doesn't compare, but we talk about baseball. So I'm going to focus around that. You at some point have to give yourself permission to be excited about it. Like that's just the bottom line. I'm and trying. we have not had a whole lot of joy lately. I mean, to put things into perspective, we have our health. We're not in, you know, we're not sick. We're not in the hospital. We we have our health. We're still able to do our jobs. You know, there's a lot of things that we can oh, still be yeah. grateful for. But being the kind of people that we are, we also need those other little things that sprinkle into our life to make us happy people. You know, people understand that they get that. And so my whole thing is, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to push you as much as I can is that I have given myself permission to get about, get excited about baseball for like 15 minutes of each day. And <laughs> that's just the way I'm going to do it because I have to like, it's just one of those things like, it's kind of funny. I started telling my kids happiness is a choice. It really is. If you think about it, but like in the morning time, they are so freaking grouchy. And I'm like, you guys, seriously, every day you start off like this. I can't do it. This is awful. We have to stop. We have to make a decision to be happy. So it, there was a couple days where they came down and it was really forced and the smiles were really like fake and not, you could tell it was, it was not a real happy moment, but then gradually it just became natural. They would come down. Good morning, mom. What, you know, do you need me to do anything? I'm going to make breakfast. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, these are better choices. You're making a choice. <laughs> There's a million things you can be mad about every single day. There's a million things to be upset about every single day, make a choice to find the one or two things that makes you happy and run with it. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I suggest to you guys. Now, if we start talking about the DH and the NL, I'm going to go to my, my sad place again. <laughs> right now I'm choosing to stick with players reporting. It's a happy place. I 
I listened to the Sean Doolittle um, interview and you can tell, I love him, by the way. I am a huge fan. There's a couple players over this whole quarantine experience that I have become huge fans of. And it is, um, it's totally on purpose that they're, social views on how they view things socially and also how they articulate in a way that you're like, okay, really? Like he wrote that? Like why he has a career in writing when he's done playing baseball? You know, I mean, these guys are just also smart. I really, oh gosh, I'm going to get stuff thrown at me. I really like Jack Flaherty. I really uh, oh, like. So do I? Yes, Jack Flaherty is growing on me. Maybe favorite yes. Cardinal, not Dexter Fowler. Yes, yes. He well, Dexter Fowler just tweeted that he was so excited to be in St. Louis and eat the best pizza in the world. I was like, here, let me fix that for you. You meant cheese and crackers, is what you meant. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we need to talk about Dex and his pizza life choices. On this he, episode too. he, yeah, he definitely got bumped as my next, um, my my favorite Cardinal. So Jack Flaherty is up there. Ian Desmond, obviously. Sean Doolittle. I know you've been a Sean Doolittle fan for a long time, but I've just started kind of following him more and just just love him. Um, who is the other one? Um, there's one more and I cannot, I can't think of his name. I just totally drew a blank there. Anyways, I mean, some Max of these on my list, cause Max Scherzer has been like spitting hot fire, but, um, uh, Marcus Stroman, Marcus Stroman. Oh, that yeah, was Marcus the other one. Yes. yes. Two things. The first is that I appreciate you giving me permission to enjoy baseball right now. Cause I kind of needed that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get all like, woe is me here. Cause you're absolutely right. Like we're all very lucky and there are 9 million things that I'm super blessed about. And I'm super lucky to be able to do the work that I do. I'm lucky that I have a day job that lets me work from home and that that is secure. I mean, there's a million things that I am super grateful for, but it has been hard to be in the midst of, you know, writing about this stuff every single day, seeing how negative so many people are about the state of the sport, it kind of wears on you a little bit. And so I appreciate more than I can even say the permission to be excited and happy about something I love because I haven't really felt like I get to do that. Well, you have to give yourself permission because I know how hard you are on yourself. And I know some days you take yourself very serious, which in your (laughs) job, you have to, but... You, you need to give yourself permission to just say, you know what? I am like a 10-year-old little girl right now getting ready to go go to opening day and just get excited and just let yourself be excited about it. And and you know what? If you have to give yourself 15 minutes like me because I have way too much stuff to do to sit and watch YouTube videos all day of the Chicago Cubs playing baseball, I only get 15 minutes. But if you can afford to give yourself an hour or two, I recommend doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with that. The other thing I wanted to say that I agree with you on, and then we're going to have to take a break because, whoa, time is flying on us here today, Um, but is that it's been so cool to see some of these players come out of their shell and to really put their posts and feelings on social media in ways that we don't usually see. I felt like a lot of times players are pretty heavily scripted. They have PR agents. They have people who tell them don't say too much, you know, be really careful about this, that, or the other thing. But through this negotiation period, a lot of them have really just put it out there and it's been cool to get to know them as people. And I appreciate what we have learned about so many of them, including all of the players uh, that you named. And like I said, we are definitely going to talk more about Ian Desmond on the other side of the break. But before we can do that, we have to take a quick break for our sponsors. 
All right. So I announced this on Twitter the other day, but 100% still in. I need an Ian Desmond jersey. Like, this dude has been incredible. Uh, It started a few weeks ago where he opened up with the experience of playing baseball as a biracial player during the protests and the aftermath of George Floyd's death at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer. And I was just so touched by the words he wrote and the experience that he put out there for everybody. But then earlier this week when he explained why he wasn't going to play and he had like this nine, um, I don't even know. They're like nine images with text on them posts on Instagram that really wrote out his feelings so well and how torn he was on the state of race relations and systemic racism in baseball, everything that's happened in the pandemic and how he just felt like he needed to do more for his family and more for the sport of baseball by really trying to get it back to the game that more kids had access to when he was growing up. I just, absolute chills. Ian Desmond is one of the good guys. And there's a lot to talk about here. So I'm going to pause there, Andy. And I want your reactions for Ian Desmond. So I knew that there was some talk about him um, opting out. I had there, a couple of folks had, had mentioned it in uh, the t- Twitter timeline that day that he um, wrote the Instagram post. So I was kind of keeping an eye on him anyways, because he's been pretty outspoken um, through this whole um race relation in baseball um thing that we're kind of experiencing as a nation not just baseball obviously and in society but we've been experiencing it for way longer than it's you know come to the forefront currently but since um the the murder in minneapolis at the hands of police officers there has definitely been a lot more um players coming forward and having more to say and being a little bit more outspoken and not to get too much off track here, but if you, if anybody out there is college football fans, I recommend looking into the um, Iowa football coaching staff too. That was an interesting story where some of those players are coming forward and speaking out on that. This, I want to say Ian Desmond, I was um, completely blown away by some of the things that he um, was saying. I mean, I guess I don't want to say I was completely surprised, which I guess is sad. Um, But I was blown away in the fact that I was putting myself, I'm going to get emotional. I'm sorry. I was putting putting myself in his shoes and surrounding myself with people that don't look like me or don't um, feel the same as me and just feeling so like I wasn't there. And if you've not read it, then you probably think I'm being very vague. And I guess I'll give you a little bit more detail here. There was one situation where he spoke about, and he didn't go into too much detail. He just said, hands in the middle, when he would do hands in the middle with this high school team, he was one of two black boys on his high school team. And it was all white, white boys. And they would say white power, white power, white power. In the huddle with their hands in the middle with these two black players alongside of them. Can you even imagine? First of all, how how is anybody letting that happen? Like, granted, right. Ian Desmond, he's not, you know, he's not 19. He wasn't in high school yesterday. The, you know, this was a couple years ago. I believe he's mid-20. So it was a couple years ago. But how is anybody letting that happen? I mean, somebody heard that. 
somebody hurt somebody that should have been influential in one of those just one just one player's lives heard that and let that happen and that to me speaks on a completely different level because you're watching now ian desmond is half black half white so he's already looking at it from a completely different perspective of he he looks he looks like he's black, so he identifies with the black his black side, and he he goes into some detail in these posts. If you haven't had an opportunity to read, please please do that. So he kind of feels like kind of a nomad, you know, like he's he's not white, but he's not black, but you know, it, so it, it's it's a really I can't speak on it like you know his words do it justice, you know, and you just need to read it. It's very very touching, but that particular story of standing next to his teammates and hearing them say white power, knowing that they have two black teammates that are standing next to them. I just, I just can't, I just can't. And I can only imagine the things that he's faced at the major league level, as far as, you know, the misogyny, the, the, the racism, the jokes, the whatever it is that you're just supposed to turn your head and look the other way and, and pretend that you didn't hear it or pretend it's not there. So for him to speak up and tell these stories, I hope that that gives more players to come forward and tell stories. And I know gradually over the years, we've heard stuff. Uh, Jason Hayward has given some accounts of his time in St. Louis, which is, I live in St. Louis. Obviously, I know how ridiculous the segregation here is in the city. And these current events are only bringing that to national attention more and more every single day. If I could have one day without an embarrassing story out of St. Louis, that would be fabulous. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just it's it's such a it's such a it makes you take a step back. Like it's way more than just a bat, a glove and a ball on a field to these guys. And it's it really makes you take a take a hard look at at what actually happens behind the season scenes and what some of these players endure to play the sport they love and it's very very powerful and I actually pulled back so I'm not going to get emotional so whew, that was close oh well yeah I second everything Andy said you need to go read the original post you need to read every word I actually. The thing that really upset me about this, and I wrote about it a couple of days ago uh, for the site, was the way that MLB tried to frame it. Because MLB wrote a story, and and I want to be really clear, I don't think that the author of this piece picked the headline for the story. In fact, I would almost bet on it just based on the words that are in the piece are so much stronger than the headline. For those of you that don't write, sometimes you don't get to pick the headline. Headlines get kind of tweaked or changed by um, editorial decisions. In the case of MLB.com, that would be the people who run the sport. And so they characterized Desmond's decision not to play as citing, quote, unquote, family and community. And I I just wanted to throw a penalty flag on the use of the word community there because it was such a euphemism for actual systemic racism that Desmond like very specifically talks about and indicts in his post. And I'm not going to go through every single word here, but a a few things, you know, he talked about uncomfortable jokes in the locker room, like Andy discussed. He talked about the shrinking number of African-American players who play the game. It used to be a higher percentage. It's now down to below 8%. He talked about the fact that there's only one black general manager in the game, that there's only two black managers in the game, that 
black people are just not well represented in the game of baseball. He talked about travel ball and the expense of it and how, um, in fact, he starts the post by talking about his old little league field and how it's kind of run down and grown over. And instead of there being a schedule for the community rec little league, like you would have seen when I was growing up in my little town, you've got like this big travel ball banner in the back. And it's almost like certain communities have just had community rec sports taken away from them by the guys of these travel teams that are a lot more expensive and require a lot more investment on the part of parents. And if some kids can't make that investment, I guess we just don't care if they play baseball anymore. I mean, he indicted some very specific practices that he sees in the game of baseball and to have that be put under the headline of Desmond has community concerns really just rankled me. I was so angry when I saw that headline. Yeah, that, that definitely does not, (laughs) does not fit at all what he is discussing and does not do it justice. I mean, that's just such a downplay on, on the importance of what he had to say. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more it just, it, it does infuriate me. And I, you know, I, I'm exhausted from being angry over, um, over the racial tension in this country. And I just feel every day is a new battle. I just have to pick which social platform I'm fighting it on social media platform. I'm fighting it on because, you know, and, and I say this, you know, very lightly because I know I am literally, have not gone through anything of what our, our black brothers and sisters have gone through. So (laughs) not trying to say that that's any kind of comparison, but obviously I stand with the, the, all of the, the things that they, they are standing for right now. I am a hundred percent with them on that and always have been as long as I can remember. And so, you know, you read this and you just get angry and it's like, we've been given so many reasons to hate major league baseball since March. Um, Just so many things that they have done wrong or not even wrong. They just could have done a different way. They could have handled a different way and at least shown some interest in keeping their fan base, you know, proud of them because we are kind of the laughing stock as major league baseball fans. You know, they've just handled so many things incorrectly. No other sport is, is a hundred percent good right now, but baseball has just been so far gone that it, it, it's like the laughing stock of professional sports. So to have one more thing just go so sideways and have it be something that they could have so easily managed to pull back. It just, you know, it, it's like, come on, you guys. All I want to do is love baseball. All I want to do is be proud of the league that I spend nine months of my year following. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's just one of those things. Like, please help me help you, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Just meet me in the middle, at least. It, it, yeah. It, it just, it's, it's, it's exhausting. It's very exhausting. I can't agree with that anymore. Um, So we're going to jump on to one more topic, which is why we're so angry at baseball. And then we'll try to end things on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, This week, we also found out officially that minor league baseball will not happen in 2020. It's a little hard to be like super outraged about this because we've been outraged about it for months now. We sort of knew it was coming, but it was still 
really heartbreaking to me to see it announced, to know that there's not going to be a minor league season, that small towns all over the country that really rely on that minor league park um, as a cornerstone of their community, that it's something they've invested in, are just not going to have baseball this year. And, and look, I get it. Like, we all know why. We all know there's a pandemic. We all know that large gatherings are not advised. We get it. But I just feel like minor league baseball has really taken it on the chin in 2020. And it kind of started with these rumors that they were going to try to cut 25% of the teams. And now I, I guess we should be glad that the Cubs have announced they're going to pay their minor leaguers through July. I mean, I don't, Andy, what do you think about minor league baseball right now? I'm really, I'm really sad. I'm really sad about that. I mean, that's such a, we knew it was coming. I mean, we've known it was coming for a while, but it's a matter of actually seeing it happen and watching some, like, you know, I have, there's um, some female writers that I follow that are big on the minor league scene. And, you know, I, watching some of their tweets yesterday was, it was really heartbreaking because, you, you know, it, it's just, it's so many people's livelihood it's, you know, and a lot of people that write baseball or that broadcast baseball, they don't do it for the money, people. I'm just going to go ahead and, and and spill the beans. They don't do it for the money. They do it because they love it. And so it's genuinely hard to see people be told they can't do what they love, you know, and, and it's their livelihood. It's what they do for money, you know, so that's sad. We're not even talking about the players. I mean, I can't even think about the players. That just is, is gut wrenching, and on so many levels. I mean, the 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 ripple effect of this will will be for years, and as low as per player, as high as how many teams actually come back to any kind of minor league season next year. So. It's just, it's overall just a really, it's a really sad part of this whole thing. And one more thing that quarantine has kind of crushed. And, you know, like I said, I try to keep perspective when I think about things like this, because, you know, hopefully many of those people will be able to go find and do things that make them happy besides baseball. And, you know, I, I, I hope that for them. But at the same time, you know, when your job is to play a game and it enter, entertains people and it you know, brings income and jobs to these small towns, it's, that's a really hard pill to swallow that it's not happening for those people. So just keep them in mind because that's, that's a tough day for, for anybody involved in the minor and minor league baseball. And for us as fans, it may not affect, you know, that don't follow minor league baseball as closely. It may not affect us today or tomorrow, but I promise you that there is going to be some ripple effects on this. And, and, you know, it's definitely just something to, to be thankful that they're at least striving to play any kind of major league baseball this year. Yeah, I agree that it's sad. I mean, I do want to say though, they, some of these teams have been really creative in terms of how they're using their ballparks um, now that they're not going to be used for baseball this summer. So in this baseball America story that kind of has been really tracking what's going on with the minor leagues and was updated to announce the official cancellation of the minor league season yesterday they know and i love this that the pensacola blue wahoos and the salem kaiser volcanoes have turned their ballparks into airbnb properties for fans to rent overnight the others have been hosting in-park restaurants farmers markets drive-in movies and anything else teams can dream up to get a few drops of revenue in an otherwise arid season i mean look the revenue part of this is terrible most things with the economy are right now 
But that is so creative. I love the idea of ballparks being a sort of town center, even though they can't be used for baseball right now. Well, I have something else that I want to bring up that I read and now I can't find it. But as soon as I find it, I'm going to send it to you to, to tweet out from the main account. Um, I read, I want to say on Twitter, and I know I shouldn't believe everything I read, but this at least gave me a little bit of enjoyment, if nothing more today. I saw a picture of a stadium that was filled with cardboard cutouts. And apparently, from what I read, um, they're at the Oakland Coliseum for the Oakland A's, they're going to give fans the opportunity to purchase a cardboard cutout of themselves, place it in a seat. So you would pay kind of like admission <laughs> for your cardboard cutout to sit in the seat. Obviously not the full price of a normal ticket, but so for games, they would have this audience. And if you're, if it, like the, all the money they raise would go towards a charity. And then if your cardboard cutout got hit by a foul ball, they're trying to put it together to where they would actually send you the ball that you got hit with. <laughs> I'm like, I I'm it. sorry. This, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. And I, this is why I want to retweet it because the picture is hilarious for one. For two, there is something absolutely incredible about this. Like it just, it, it's so far-fetched, but it's, it's so cool. Like at the same time, I can't figure out why I love it so much, but I'm like, yes, I want a cardboard cutout of me in the bleachers at Wrigley for like <laughs> all 15 of their, or all 30, whatever games are going to be at Wrigley. And I better get hit by a home run. Like, yes. And send me that ball. Well, 30, 30 plus the postseason, Andy. 30 plus the postseason. We're oh, right, right. Of course. I don't, know I, if I, I don't know if I can afford for my cardboard cutout <laughs> to go to the playoffs. <laughs> I totally agree that the cardboard cutout idea is so great, and I love it. I almost, like, I'm not even an A's fan, and I kind of just want one. I, I know. I, I, I was thinking that, too. I was like, my gosh, would people be mad at me if I asked them to put a Cub shirt on my cardboard cutout in Oakland? I mean, why don't I think you can just send them a picture of you in a cup shirt and that's your cutout, right? Oh, this is happening. This is happening. My sister, my sister lives near Oakland too. I have a green and white cup shirt that I wear during like St. Patrick's Day season. And I may just like put that on and it'll, it'll be Oakland colors, but it'll be a cup shirt. I love it. I'm doing this. This is Andy. We are going to be right next to each other in the Coliseum. Yes. I love it. Oh, this is so great. I'm so happy now. See, see how happy you are now. <laughs> I am a lot happier. In fact, like it makes me not even want to move on to our last news item, but our last news item is actually a Cubs news item. So I feel like we have to do it. Although y'all need to be on the lookout when they are televising games in the Coliseum for the Sarah and Andy cutouts that are definitely going to be there right next to each other. Um, so one of the things we learned, and, and apparently the Cubs are not doing the cardboard cutout thing because, of course, we can't have fun. But it was just leaked today that the rooftops would be open at 25% capacity when the season starts. And Al had an article up on BCB yesterday that is, shall I just say, not a fan of this particular idea. But I, I have to say I agree with him in one sense, which is that Wrigleyville has kind of already shown they have no chill and like cannot social distance. There were pictures of Clark Street from the weekend that are 
terrifying of just crowds of 20 somethings who are not even bothering to be six feet apart, not a mask in sight, lined up to get into all the bars on Clark Street. And if you have the rooftops open, for those 30 games that the Cubs are playing, I am telling you people, Wrigleyville is going to be a nightmare and I'm not sure that the city has a plan for it. I am like cringing right now. I, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of talked about this earlier when we said, well, what if baseball comes? Like, how are they going to keep the people away from Wrigley? I mean, you have to, you have to do something because otherwise what's the point? You might as well just let everybody in the, in the park and let everybody sit on top of each other. I mean, and people just, uh, they just, people do not understand six feet apart. They just don't like, I, I have given up completely going in anywhere public anymore because I am so, I get so angry Sorry, so fast. I shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh. That's not funny. <laughs> no, I mean, but people just have no, like, even in normal times before the quarantine was happening, I just, I need, I have, I have personal space. Like you don't need to be shoulder to shoulder with me when we're in a ginormous store where there's tons of room. And then now, you know, and then to not have a mask on it and be like, you know, a foot away from me talking all loud and yelling and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, I am, I'm in hell right now. This is awful. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be near or on the streets or try to do anything outside of Wrigley when they're having a game, you know, that people are going to be there. If nothing more to hear the organ, because we saw how that went down. Um, Yeah. They have to do something. They have to put a plan into place. There has got to be, I mean, there's got to be some, some control there. Otherwise, Chicago, I mean, I read it. Chicago's numbers are not in the right direction either. And they're going to spike even more once baseball starts. And that's, that's, you know, you're endangering any kind of season, let alone the shortened season. Yeah, I think there needs to be a plan. Like I, Al wants to close down Waveland and Sheffield on game days. I think that's going to be difficult given the number of people who live in the neighborhood and also just the number of establishments that are open there, you know, there are bars like Murphy's Bleachers, um, the sports corner, Bernie's, like these are places that are going to be real unhappy if the streets by them get closed down. Plus every time the Cubs have tried to close Addison and Clark, the residents in the city have screamed bloody murder they're just like that's not gonna happen because they're major thoroughfares you can't just close them right yeah so I don't think closing down the area is the answer but I do think something preemptively needs to be done I don't know what that looks like I don't know if it's like you only get to come into this area if you have a ticket to the rooftops today and or your street address on your ID (laughs) proves that you live within a certain amount of the ballpark I don't know, Um, but they need to do something. One slightly creative idea that's kind of floating around the city, they've been experimenting with closing down certain streets selectively for expanded outdoor dining this summer for some restaurants um, and some neighborhoods that don't have huge patios but wanted to reopen when open-air dining was allowed and indoor dining was not. I think that's a possibility. You do some, like, limited access that way. But they need to get a handle on this before it happens, because otherwise, I guarantee you, the first day that the Cubs play a game at Wrigley Field, that I'm I'm not even going down there. I will not walk that way. I will go to a different coffee shop. I will that will not be my walk. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, uh, it, 
for all of my friends that live in that neighborhood and walk that area on a normal day without baseball, like I'm just going to say, if they don't come up with something, y'all stay home, please. I want my smart friends to be healthy and safe. And I know how tempting it is with it being right there that like, Oh, I just want to go be around people and be able to hear baseball and don't stay home, stay home and watch it. However you consume baseball, do it that way. It just, it's going to be a situation if they don't have a good plan in place. I guess once we hear when the schedule is released, which that's not been done yet, I'm hoping that they'll start coming forth with more details on how that's going to happen. You would think they have to have something in place. So I will be keeping an eye out for that. I will be keeping an eye out for that as well. And if the city of Chicago does develop a plan for keeping the Wrigleyville neighborhood safe with not crowds of people around it during this abbreviated baseball season, you will hear about it here on Cup of Cubby Blue first. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore blue. And we have got you covered as we find out if baseball is actually going to make it for the season openers that are currently scheduled for either July 23rd or 24th. See you soon, baseball.